Hi, I'm Karina. I'm the Music Ministry Director at Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multi-generational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honour God and make disciples. Kia ora whanau. Welcome to Every Nation, Auckland City. You know, earlier this year, my wife was and I were very blessed to be in a position where we were, we were able to relay the decking on our deck, the wraparound deck of our lounge. The, the structure was good, but the decking was very old and it was lifting and it was in bad shape and it needed to be attended to and upgraded and made new. And so we embarked upon this project to um, get all this beautiful decking laid and we Obviously got that contracted out and we got people around. It was fun. It was noisy. It was dusty. And there was a day when I was sitting in the lounge. Actually, I was just spending time with God, which is in the lounge. And that's just, just on the outside of that, around our lounge, were some workmen. And they were had been working on the deck and uh, some guys were doing landscaping. It was just really looking quite lovely. Uh, but I noticed there was an intense moment where there was all this energy and movement and concentration and tools were being pulled out and there's dialogue and I, I heard them talking about it. In fact, it, it was difficult for me to concentrate on my reading of the Bible and just spending time with God. And, uh, and I heard them talking away and having like a little conference and I heard this word datum, D-A-T-U-M, like datum this, datum that, datum for. What's a datum? I couldn't help myself curiosity got the better of me. So I went out there and said, hey guys, how you going on? What's going down? And looking great. The job's coming along well. Encourage them a little bit. And I said, I couldn't help you. I couldn't help but overhear this, this idea of a datum, a datum board. What's that? And Mark, the guy who's leading the project, he said, oh, when we go to relay decking, we have to get one that is absolutely correct. It's straight. It's pointing in the right direction. There's no bows in it. It's laid down perfectly. And then that, what we call datum, that datum board, that becomes the reference point for every other board. And I think you can see in the picture that's coming up now, there's, uh, you can see the the, the structure underneath and then you can, the beams, and then you can see some new boards. It's beautiful um, uh, cedar, timber. But they said, you've got to get the datum first. And then from that, we put the other boards down and every so boards, we measure back to the datum. And we do a few more boards and we measure back to the datum. We go the other side and we go back to the datum, D-A-T-U-M. And it made me think, what if there is supposed to be a datum in our lives? And if that's true and we don't have it in our lives, would everything else drift into disorder? I want you to think about that. Today, the reason I'm so excited is we're launching a brand new series that we're calling The Gospel. A story of grace in the book of Romans. 
I've been planning this for a long time, thinking about it for a long time. And we are going to take a chunk of time to go through the entire book of Romans. How about that? Yeah. And don't worry. I mean, I heard about a preacher who took seven years to get through it, like word by word, verse by verse. I thought, you know what? We can't let this dude outdo us. So we're going to go eight years in the book of Romans. That's right. I'm just kidding. No, we're not going to go eight years in the book of Romans, although I think that would be a really worthwhile endeavor. What we're going to do is we're going to take 23 weeks and we're going to break it into seasons just like Netflix, all right? We're going to do a chunk of time and then a break and, and then a chunk of time. And we're going to do season one and season two this year and then season three and season four and so forth into 2023. So as a church community, we're going to go through, read through the entire book of Romans. And this is an amazing, amazing, amazing book. Some people consider Romans to be the climax of all of the epistles. Some have described it as a crown jewel of literature, the most thorough explanation of Christian doctrine anywhere in the Bible, and that is true, I believe. Another person described the book of Romans, the letter, the, the, the technical word for it is epistle, the letter written to the church in Rome. Some have described it as the greatest explanation of the Jesus story. Isn't that cool? And I want to encourage you to read it. Did you know you can read it really within about 45 minutes to an hour? You can read the entire letter of Romans. Now, if you're a slow reader like me, it might take an hour and a quarter, but you can sit down really with a cup of coffee and read through the entire thing and like letters, probably you're supposed to, right? When you get a letter or an email today from grandma or relative, you don't kind of read paragraph by paragraph, you know, one day at a time or one week at a time. You kind of go through the whole deal. Uh, and that's important to know because that relates to how we should read and, and approach unpacking this beautiful, beautiful letter of Romans. But I and I look forward to going through it with you. But I want us not just to see and observe uh, and know some small exegetical intricacies, but I, I want us to know the book. I want us to know what God is saying through the amazing teacher and leader named Paul. That's right, Saul who became Paul. So we're going to get to read it. We're going to grow in it. We're going to be anchored by it, and I hope and pray that we're all going to live differently because of it, the book of Romans. Now, why was this letter written? Why did Paul have it penned? He didn't write it. He got someone else to write it. It was written very late in his life, and uh, his eyesight possibly was dim, but it was very common in those days to have a scribe write it out for you, but it's definitely from Paul. Why, why did he write it? Well, he was kind of straightening things out. He was getting the church back to the datum, back to the datum of life and ministry. You see, things were going down in Rome. The emperor of the day was Emperor Claudius in 49 AD, and he passed a law that kicked all the Jews out of Rome. Now, this little church in Rome was multicultural. We had Gentiles and Jews or Jews and non-Jews. We had different nations there, but this emperor in his enthusiasm kicked all of the Jews out of Rome 
in 45 or 49, sorry, AD, and the Jews were suddenly gone, and all we had were Gentiles there in the church. But some years later, and five years later, in 54 AD, Claudius dies. That's right, and the law was lifted. And the Jews were allowed to return to their properties and the city and indeed the church. But the church had been functioning now for many years, five years, without the Jewish influence, the Jewish cultural influence. And when they came back in, guess what happened? In church, guess what happened? Tensions began to rise. Racial tension began to rise between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so Paul's writing the letter to address them. He's repeatedly, all the way through this letter, you'll see, to the Jew and to the Gentile, to the Jew and the Gentile. So that'll help you. He's writing to them as a collective, and he's saying this, no one is superior. And and by the way, let's not lose sight of what really matters or who really matters. Who is Jesus and what is the gospel and the mission of the church? And so it's really a thorough, systematic outlaying of what the gospel is, what Christ has done, who he is, and let's get focused on the main thing. And that's why he wrote the beautiful letter to the Romans. All right, so today we're going to read, and no apologies for this, we're going to read a good portion, 17 verses, chapter 1, verse 1 through to verse 17. So if I could encourage you to open up your Bibles. I've got my trusty hard copy right here, and we're going to read through the Word of God together, and then we're going to unpack portions of it and have a great time today as we teach the Word of God. All right. Have you got your book ready or your, or your phone ready? All right. Let's begin to read Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Verse 5, Through him we have received grace, and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world or the whole known world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests, if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, maybe because of COVID, that I may have some fruit among you also, just as 
among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. And that's Paul's way of saying to anybody, anywhere. Verse 15. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, that's the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to call this first episode of season one, Power for Change. Power for Change. And we find in verses one through to seven, the world's longest introduction. It says, Paul, a bondservant. That's a slave. A bondservant of Jesus Christ. That means he is the express property of the Lord Jesus Christ and has no rights he is a slave of Christ, called to be an apostle. Wow. Did you know we're all called to something? Paul was called to be an apostle, which simply means a sent one. Somebody who goes out and does stuff for Jesus. Sent out to do something for God. Called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. What is Paul saying with all of those verses and those long sentences? He's simply saying this, that all of the prophets speak about Jesus. He is saying he is the one that the entire Old Testament is pointing towards. You see, if you like, Jesus is like the, the sun, S-U-N, that everything orbits around. The center of Christianity is, is not teaching or a moral system. It's about a person and his name is Jesus Christ. And actually, what he was saying was quite controversial, even dangerous, and you and I don't pick it up in the reading because we don't have ears that are soaked in Roman culture, the culture of Rome. But the, the citizens of Rome were beyond patriotic. I mean, a little bit of patriotism is good, right? I'm proud to be a New Zealander. You know, I'm proud to live in New Zealand. They were required to go well beyond patriotism. They were expected to worship the Emperor Caesar. Some of the emperors, in fact, all the emperors were considered deity. They had statues all around the place. They weren't just an elected official. They were worshipped. And so, and Caesar had absolute power. The emperor had absolute power and life revolved or orbited around Caesar. And Paul's coming along in Rome, the center of the world as it were. And he says, no, Jesus is more powerful. Jesus is a better king than Caesar. Wow, can you feel it? So this was incredibly significant to the audience of the day to get things right, to lay down our datum. 
to find out our reference point in all of life. Let's keep unpacking it. Verse five, through him we have received grace and apostleship for what purpose? What does it go on to say? Obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also are called of Jesus Christ to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, some of you say that you worship Jesus, but you worship something else. You say you worship Jesus, or you may worship someone else. I wonder, would Paul say the same thing about us today? Would he make that subtle accusation? He's getting the church in Rome back to focus on who Christ is and and what he did. What Paul is saying is following Jesus is not just a set of principles or propositions that you might agree with, but rather that life of belief. It's a life of belief that flowers into life change, life transformation into every area of life. Wow. Then we go to verse 8 through to 15, and what we've got there is a beautiful writing from a warm and loving and kind apostle. And then we come to the bullseye, the bullseye, the central theme. Paul introduces the entire letter by giving us a condensed trailer movie, if you like. It's a a little condensed pithy verse, couple of verses actually, that is the whole theme of the letter, which he then goes on to in subsequent chapters to unpack the detail, to drill down and look at the entire movie, the story of Jesus. Verse 16 and 17. Let's look at that verse again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. By the way, not just our initial salvation, but salvation from the past, salvation from the present, and salvation for the future, our eternal destination. For everyone who believes, it says in the text, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it, that's the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. Here come those famous words. Those words that Martin Luther and other reformers discovered, the just, the justified shall live by faith. Praise God. This to me begs the question, what is the gospel? There's a lot of ideas out there. There's even a genre of music called gospel. There is different ideas and not all of them are correct or helpful. And I just want us to lay down a platform today so we're all talking the same language and we've got the same ideas and we've got a great agreement. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life that we should have lived and he died the death that we should have died in our place. And three days later, he rose from the dead, proving beyond the shadow of a doubt that he is the Son of God and offering the gift of salvation to anyone who repents and believes in Him. But why? Thank you, Pastor Richard, for a lovely explanation of the gospel. I get it. 
Jesus, cross for me, died, rose again. But why? The answer is profoundly simple. Deep, beautiful and overwhelming, but it's not complicated. The why is love. God's love. It's a beautiful love, a special love for all humankind, a love, a desire for relationship. The whole Bible is a book about relationship with you and me. The whole Bible is about relationship. But he's holy and we're sinful. And we can't change that. So he sent his son. Change that changes everything is a result of right relationship with God. We're talking about power for change. You see, we often want things to change in our lives, right? We'd like the financial situation to change, yeah? our children's behavior to change, yeah? the government to change, yeah? hairstyle to change, yeah? the relatives to change, the pastor to change. I mean, <laughs> change, change. We all want things to change. But I want to say today that change that changes everything, like real change, like when things can really change, it happens. Everything changes when we're in right relationship with God. Pastor Greg Mitchell in his book called Relational Formation, he says this, if we view the cross as a legal transaction to pay off our debts so that the accounts of heaven's court will balance, we miss God's heart. God's heart is relationship. I'm wanting us to look at the book of Romans, not just through technical, legal a legal perspective, but larger than that is a relational perspective. It's what God has done and why he's done it as beautifully explained throughout Romans. We're going to deep dive into some themes and ideas and theological understandings, but I want you to catch the heart of God. He wants relationship. He wants to pour himself into you and I and the way he does that, and the way we do that is we come into right relationship with him. You see, I happen to think that real change is not about a change of circumstances, a change of external things. It's really usually, in fact, I want to suggest to you every time there needs to be a change in our relationship with him and put that first and that become the datum from which all of our lives are built upon and around. The gospel has power. It's a word that's repeated through chapter one and throughout the Bible, throughout the book of Romans. The gospel is, is power. It's not just that the gospel delivers power. It does that, but got, the gospel is power. One scholar says this, the gospel is certainly good news, but it is more than information. It has an inherent power, an intrinsic power on the inside. The gospel is not Advice to people, not only advice to people suggesting that they lift themselves, it is power. It lifts them up. 
Paul does not say that the gospel brings power, but that it is power and God's power at that. Wow, what a great quote. You see, the gospel invites us into a space where we have right relationship with God. It's righteousness. That's what that means. It's a major theme. The major theme of the book of Romans is this word righteousness, which is simply right relationship with Him. And that produces change. That changes everything. Desires change. Behaviors change. Relationships change. Our perspectives change. Our handling of finances changes. Our priorities change. Our appetites, our lusts, our desires. Everything changes when we come into right relationship with Jesus. I love that. Praise Jesus for that. The gospel is power for real change. Bible teacher and an author, a great guy called Warren Wiersbe, he says this, Power is the one thing that Rome boasted the most. The Greeks might have their philosophy, but Rome had its power. They were the world power at the time. They thought they could do anything. But despite their power, the Romans, like all of us, were powerless to make themselves righteous before God. You see, the real human problem is not horizontal. The estrangement in human relationships, the real human problem is not that. The real human problem is vertical. Estrangement from a true God. And the gospel is God's response to that problem. Change that changes everything is a result of a right relationship with God. You see, through the gospel, God unleashes his power to change people. And it starts by having a relationship with him. And when people respond in faith to the message of the good news, God justifies them. That is, he declares them innocent before him. He removes the barrier that exists between all human beings in their natural state and God. Everything else in the Christian life flows from this marvelous experience of receiving the Spirit of God, coming into right relationship, being forgiven, and as the Bible would say, being regenerated, born again. How do we receive God's power? How can I experience real change? Well, God doesn't change. So I guess that means you and I need to change. My wife and I were recently blessed with a spa pool. I know, like, whoa. We're coming into winter and we've got this wonderful spa pool. It's got lights and bubbles and jets and it's, it's real nice. Feels great on a cold night, the spa pool. I think I'm going to get a few new friends now, a few messages. Hey, can I come and visit? Bring my togs. It's this great spa pool, right? It's fantastic. But you know, from time to time, I, I read the maintenance manual and it tells me from time to time I have to empty the spa. 
These 1,300 liters, that's over a ton. It's about 1,300 kilos of water. When I want to empty that spa, guess what I've got to do? The spa's not going to get up and move towards the uh, uh, drain. What I have to do is I've got to find a hose and I've got to move the hose so it in, into the right socket at the bottom of the spa, uh, fix it in there, release the valve, and the water begins to flow. And it reminds me a little bit about God. So big and strong, he doesn't change, but I have to be flexible enough. I have to correctly or rightly align myself to the, the outlet, the, 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 the hole, the fixing on the side of the spa. I've got to rightly align myself and come into alignment, have, a, if you like, a right relationship with the spa, put my hose in there, get plugged into that, and then the power flows, the water flows. I think you're getting the idea. The spa, God doesn't move. I need to move. I've got to come into right relationship with God and connect with Him like a power socket in the wall to have the power of God flow through into my life and produce real change internally, which then flows out to the rest of our lives. So to come into right relationship with God, the first thing you and I must learn to do is for our wills to be surrendered, to be yielded, for our prideful hearts to bow to the will of God, our Father. And that is why Jesus went to the cross that we would be able to repent and turn from our sin and receive a new heart. And forever walking with Jesus, we still go through the, the, the privilege, but the difficulty sometimes of yielding our will, surrendering our will to His, letting Him be Lord and God and His will superseding our will. And we surrendering to Him, that's what we, we need to do. And I love how the preacher and author Roy Hessian puts it. The Lord Jesus cannot live in us fully and reveal himself through us until the proud self within is broken. The Bible word for that is repentance. That is how we experience real change is to get into right relationship with God and repentance, turning from sin and turning to Christ and making him first and Lord and Savior of our life. That brings us into, that's the doorway, the gateway into right relationship to him. So what are you saying, pastor? Well, come on, pastor. What are you trying to say? Just give it to me right now. This is what I'm trying to say. Stop trying to change yourself. Stop trying to change circumstances around you, but come into right relationship with Jesus. That's where real change, the power to change begins. You and I internally in our hearts. Pastor Greg Mitchell in that book, Relational Formation, also says, what we want changed is often driven by a desire to avoid changing what actually should change. Change that changes everything is the result of a right relationship with God. Do you want real change? Do you want your marriage to change? Do you want your work situation, your finance? Do you want your own mind, peace of mind? Your, do you want life to change? Do you want change that changes everything? When joy can be restored, when, 
when confidence can be restored, when feeling close to God can be restored, when peace can be restored? Do you want change in, in your relationships with children? Do you want that kind of change? It begins with the right relationship with God. And what that means is you and I, if we're in that position, whether it's a first-time decision or we've got to come back to that decision, is to turn from sin. Turn from, it's always sin that leads us away from God. Always sin. We need to turn from sin, acknowledge our sin, own our sin, bring it to God with repentance and ask God to forgive us. And if we come and do it, He promises He will forgive us. To come into right relationship with Him. And if that's you and you want to come into right relationship and experience real change, this is what I want you to do is find a Christian and tell them that you'd like to do that and they will pray with you. And if you've not got a Christian that you know, that you feel you can do that with, please reach out to us and let us know. We'd love to pray with you and show you how to, to begin this relationship and get back on track with God. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. As I close, in the New Living Translation, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin." so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Wow, what an incredible gift, the beautiful gospel. It is the power for change, real change. That changes everything. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website, www.everynationauckland.city. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.